You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So today is the top of the month. So it's the beginning of September. Actually, I'm recording this in August, but we're going to pretend like it's the top of the month because this is when you're hearing it. And so as you all know, my faithful listeners, that the top of every month, I get to give my own top five because I'm a little obsessed with top fives now. So my top five for the month of September, the first one is clear nasal spray. And that's because I'm just getting back from under one roof. And I'm actually hearing that a few people might have gotten sick at under one roof and I did not get sick. And I'm going to pretend like it's because I use my clear nasal spray uh, all the time to uh, make sure that I'm not inhaling any bad things. So who knows? I don't have the science there, but I'm sure it's out there. The next thing I'm super into uh, are my Lumident Ergo Prism loops, because I got to tell you, coming back from under one roof and sleeping on the airplane, my neck and my back were a little jacked. Uh, and thank goodness that I have those ergoprism loops that allow me to sit up straight and have good ergonomics while I'm seeing patients and then my neck doesn't feel like crud and I could keep working. The third one, you guys know I'm a little water obsessed. I do have an issue with dental unit water lines. I even got to speak about it at Under One Roof. And I am super obsessed with uh, Pro Edge's new blue tube water line purification system. So it, you have, it's like the straw that you put in your bottle but you actually change it out every six months because the studies are showing us that really the straw starts to fail at about seven months. So you'll have better water. The next thing I'm super obsessed with is the TV show Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. If you haven't watched it, you totally need to watch Ted Lasso. The second season just started. It's so good. My best friend Brene Brown loves it too. So you know it's extra good. And then the fifth thing I'm super into is we're recording this. The Olympics is still happening. And so I'm super into Simone Biles because I'm wicked proud of her that she took care of her mental health uh, and was strong enough. And I hope that that allows other people to recognize that you matter, not what you do, but you as a person. So uh, if you're listening to this, I want you to know that you matter. So, all right. So let's launch into our actual episode. So this is a really great one. Aren't they all great? But this one really is. So we are going to dig into the top five tips to thrive in the op. And as always, I bring on experts, but this is an extra special expert because she is wicked smart and she knows stuff and she's even launching a whole entire program around this. And so I would like to introduce my pal, an international speaker and the host of Amber RDH and the 2019 Award of Distinction winner, Amber Auger. Amber, thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I am super psyched. So, you know, I've been doing this podcast now for like a year and a half, right? And I've never had you on. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, um, so tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to this point of the thriving in the op. Yeah. So I have been a hygienist for 11 years and I actually started dental hygiene with carpal tunnel. So I knew for me that clinical hygiene would never be a full-time thing for 40, 50 years. But I love being a hygienist. And 
I would be a full-time hygienist 100% of the time if I wasn't in pain doing it. And I think a lot of people look at me if they know me and they know my career of, you know, starting a speaking business, starting a consulting business, being on the road pre-COVID, you know, eight times a month doing all of these gigs. They assume that I got out of clinical hygiene because I didn't like it, but that's not true at all. I love it. And I hear all of these stories of new grads saying, you know what, I absolutely hate clinical And people, again, look at me and they think, well, have you ever experienced that? You must have never experienced hating clinical, but that's not true. Now I love clinical. Five years ago, I absolutely hated it and wanted to live clinical hygiene forever, forever, ever. And it wasn't because I didn't love working with patients or actually love watching patients transition from disease to health underneath my chair based off of my recommendations. Like that's the coolest thing ever that we get that opportunity and to have a full hour with patients to talk about systemic health and oral health and their overall mental health, right? It was the fact that every time I would see a patient that had disease and I would bring it up to the doctor, they would say it's fine. Uh, in totally. the practice that I was working in. Uh, it hurts and my soul. then it hurts my soul so much, Amanda. And then, you know, I was deemed the mean hygienist in the office. So then the patient would say, well, I just want to go and work with the other hygienist. I just want my teeth probing. cleaned. Just clean exactly. my teeth. Exactly. So they would be probing one millimeter pockets. But when you're looking at the x-ray, you see five, six millimeters of bone loss. And I'm over here thinking like, what the heck? So then I would bring it back up to the dentist. The dentist would then say to me, well, uh, you know, that's how things work in our practice. We don't want you to leave. Let me give you an extra dollar an hour. So it was great for me financially, but my soul was slowly dying. I hated going to work. I dreaded it. I, you know, told myself it'll, I have to stay because I really like these patients. I told myself the area that it's in and the commute that I have is phenomenal. I used to ride my bike to work every day, would do 15 miles one way back and forth at Long Storo Drive, beautiful sunrise, sunset every day. And one day I woke up and said, you know what? I can't do this. And when I'm talking to a lot of hygienists who are thinking about leaving the field, oftentimes it's not the physical job that they hate. It's that A, they're burnt out, B, they're in the wrong practice, and they're a circle and someone's trying to make them a square. And I can't tell you how many offices I've been in that they hire me because they like that I'm a circle. And the moment I'm invited into the team, they immediately start trying to make me a square. Yep. And they immediately tell me, you're too high energy. You're, you know, you're too quick. You're time management. You're too quick. You're too this. You're too that. And finally, I found a position that I absolutely love where I work clinically. I work in two different practices, very different styles. Both have, you know, pluses and, and minuses to each side. However, I really do feel like I thrive in the op. I feel that I go in, I, I work as a peer, I happen to work on commission. So I make more money clinically now than I did working full-time as a part-time hygienist. So I really feel, and not only that, I have the autonomy to recommend products that are going to make the patient healthy. And I have the dentist full support in that. Oh, and that the is the autonomy. biggest thing. That's huge. Yes. This everything you're saying goes into. I don't know if you happen to read an article I wrote in RDH magazine called Halfway Hygiene, and and often yes. I feel like we feel like what we're doing is halfway, and and whether that's because you know what that is that's holding you back, but not being able to be fully who you are, or who you want to be, or who you know you can be, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so that really resonates with me. 
Yeah. And, you know, you spoke briefly on Simone Biles when you opened up and I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, it gave me chills. It's giving me chills even now bringing it back up. I'm so proud of her. And, you know, what she does is very mentally involved, not just physical. And she could have easily gotten hurt, but also she stepped down so her team could move forward. Right. Yep. And and when we are thinking about that, if you're going into an office every day that you are dreading, and let me tell you guys, I have ugly cried going into offices before. There was a time after I left that office that said, you know, disease is okay. Let's monitor the decay that's through the dentin. Let's. It was supervised neglect 100%. Then I moved on to another practice that there was some really inappropriate images being watched on, you know, uh, on computer screens. So it was just, it was not a good fit. I was only there for about 90 days. And then I moved on to another practice. And the story I was telling myself is, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be hireable now. People are going to look that I jumped, I'm jumped. It's going to be this gap in employment. It's going to look terrible. And I thought I had landed the, the, the final gig, the third transition that I made, well, the second transition that I made in that short period of time. And I happened to work for a office manager who was the wife of uh, the practice owner and would she'd stand outside of my room and if the patient was 80 years old and I didn't offer whitening, I would get threatened to be written up. So mentally, I just, I was everywhere. And it wasn't until I took a step back and I spent eight months temping full time. And I temped and I said, what office works well, what doesn't work well? And then uh, one day I was like, these are all of the goals that I need, all of the objectives that I need to be met. And if a job falls in my lap with these, I'm doing it. And awesome. it happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's launch into your top five. So what are the top five ways to thrive in the app? What's number one? Well, yeah, number one, of course, is going to be time management. Now, this is something that changes each and every day that you work clinically. So you could hard. master it one day, the next day, it's out the window. Why? Because we can't control other people. So we can't control if someone's emptied the sterilizer, if someone is actually confirmed that the patient's going to be there 20 minutes early, if the patient does show up on time. And we all know that 15-minute cutoff with your patients running late, it's always 20, right? Because as soon as they get in the office, they have to tinkle. So now here we are, 20 running 20 minutes behind. So one of the best things that you can do for time management on a daily basis is to pre-audit your charts whether that's the night before you go in or arriving a little bit early and looking at what does the patient need? Is it a full mouth series? Is it a perio chart? What are they overdue for? If you can get into, or, or what do they need that day? If you can get into a routine where you're rotating the perio chart with the films, that's very helpful. But do keep in mind if your patient is a periodontal maintenance, they do need that six site pocket depth, full updated chart once every three months. Now that can look as simple as just carrying the data forward on the software and updating any existing changes there. So that is something that's really helpful when you're working clinically. And then of course your templates. So how detailed are your templates? Is it easy to just type in the answer and hit enter? Is there a lot of spacing in between that causes you to actually have to stroll with your mouse? If there is, eliminate those spacings. I have some really great templates um, that I offer for free for uh, people if you're interested in that. That's awesome. I, time management's always been a struggle for me. I, of course, want to do everything possible that one can do for a patient in that appointment and really learning how to realize that, you know what, you don't have to do everything in that 60-minute appointment. Um, right. And if you're scaling for more than 20 minutes, it's not a profi. Yeah. So that's yeah. the big one. That's a tough right? one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what's number two? Be accountable to your thoughts. So 
Oftentimes when I'm talking with hygienists or even just myself, I've learned this is when I first started the practice I'm in currently, I really thought the office manager hated me. So I would make up all of these things like, oh yeah, she didn't book my my day to day because she hates me. Or, you know, yeah, she's on me because I'm the target. So when we when we have those thoughts, our brain subconsciously is going to look to prove those, right? Because we always want to be right. Absolutely. I mean, that's our brain. Confirmation bias. Exactly. So identify what your role is in the situation. Did you actually show up in, in a manner that was not helpful for the team, you know, or what story are you telling yourself that's that's having that outcome happen? My, my best friend, Brene, tells me to say that to myself all the time. The story I'm making up in my head is... Right. And when you do that, I mean, let me tell you, I, I'm really good at stories. I'm telling you, Pulitzer Prize winning stories in my brain. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I was convinced that I was never hireable, that, you know, I was too much, that I had to never be myself clinically. And let me tell you, I have a blast every day. And my patients are, there's patients in the office that have been there for 10, 15 years. And, you know, I was with Dr. Pam Ragniello a couple weeks ago and she pulled me aside. She was like, how did you get him to do all those things? And I was like, well, I just chatted and, you know, I built the rapport. I knew that he loved his dog. And at the end of the appointment, his diabetes was at A1C of nine. When we started the appointment, there was bleeding everywhere and we had talked about it. And he said, I don't want to hear it. And at the end of the appointment, I sat him up. I said, I know you don't want to hear this, but I need to tell you because I'm under oath here. I took an oath as a dental hygienist. What is happening in your mouth is not okay. This is what we need to do. And I sealed up the case presentation with, I know you had that little black lab who is your buddy and I want you to live long and healthy with him. And the man started sobbing and went through scaling root planing and now my number one fan. And, you know, we high five when he comes in and there's no bleeding and his A1C levels are better. So, you know, I couldn't do that if I wasn't comfortable being myself chairside and in the right environment to do it. Absolutely. And you need the right Mm -hmm. environment for that. All right. Well, what's number three? Um, so number, so this is going to be, um, number three, sorry, I was jumping. Number three is going to be communicate well with patients and peers. And how do you do that? So I think we are the dental profession as a whole. We have these amazing dentists who are taught to do dentistry and not taught to be business owners who want to stay out of the drama and, you know, who maybe hire people who aren't equipped to handle the drama. The thing is, is we can only control how we show up. And no matter what happens when you're putting different personalities in one room, there's going to be drama. It's inevitable. But how you handle yourself in that is essential. So I always avoid the drama triangle. And what the drama triangle is, is if someone comes to me and says, oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so today at the morning huddle? They were staring at you and it was terrible. And, you know, they really hate you. You should really, you know, approach them on that, right? Instead, I say, you know what, that has, I'm, it's interesting that you thought that way. I think we're fine and end it right there. So it doesn't create chaos in the practice. It's not he said, she said. And then if there is something that happens, just go to that person directly in a time that's good for them, right? When it's at the end of the day and you don't, you don't tell the patient, Hey, can I talk to you at five o'clock today? And it's 8am and I'm going to take all the power out of your day, but I'll see you here at five. Right. Yeah. And I highly recommend starting with the story I'm making up in my head is because man, does that absolutely the situation? Absolutely. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. And maybe it's not true, but are we okay? You know? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And then asking, you know, what do you need when you see somebody that's stressed? Is there something that I can help you with today? What do you need? What, what does support look like is a question that I ask my teammates every day. And everyone always giggles a little bit and then they'll tell me and I can quickly jump in and support them. Sometimes it looks like picking up the phone. Other times it looks like, you know, correctly walking something out. Maybe I double charged a Clint Pro, you know, so none of us are perfect. And we, we can admit that and be humble with one another. That creates a successful team. Holy cow. You're right about that. All right. Well, what's number four? Number four is how to cultivate teamwork. And I just kind of touched on it briefly there is, you know, if you see a patient that is there early and you and you know the other hygienist is a little bit behind, going and saying to them, hey, can I set up your tray for your next one? What does that look like? Do you want me to make sure their medical history is updated for you? Can I take their blood pressure while we wait? What is it? I have a few minutes. And those little things make a huge difference at the end of the day. Taking out the trash is something I do on a daily basis clinically and um, simply because one of our assistants struggles. She has a, a, the dumpsters way up on the hill and it's an incline and she has a bad ankle. So by doing something like that for her, it's she's going to be feeling valued. And that's the biggest thing. Everybody wants to come to work feeling valued. Absolutely. You know, I was just reading on one of the Facebook forums that a hygienist was saying she was temping at an office and their, her patient didn't show and they asked her to file charts. She said no. And I was like, why? Why would you say no? Like, let's that's, you know, if you're worried about the paper charts, throw on some gloves, but file the charts, be a team player, work together. Yeah, you know, I seem to, and the, one of the biggest reasons I created Thrive in the Op, honestly, was just out of, of sheer frustration. You know, it's, there's this entitlement that, oh, we're beyond doing that because we're a dental hygienist. Um, there's a very much like, I don't know, in, in your career, it's going to be cyclical. There's going to be some days that are awesome. There's going to be some days that suck. But if you don't have the community to support you, you're never going to get anywhere. And if you have a terrible attitude like that, get out. You think I'm going to hire you again? Um, I have people that are still texting me, hey, can you tip? And they know that I'm speaker and consultant. And no, I can't. I don't have time, but thank you so much. And why is that? Because when I'm there and temping, you have my full capacity. When I'm clinical, I'm 100%. So if the toilet's clogged, I got it. You know, if there's somebody who needs to help walking down those stairs and they're elderly, I'm walking them up and down. And if they don't want help, I'm still walking behind them because if right. they follow, I want them to follow me and not their head at the end of the stairs. Yes. So those things make a huge difference. And, but, and super secret, oh. super secret squirrel secret here. Not every, like even somebody who loves their job and they're in the best office of all time not every day is sunshine and rainbows and happiness and lovey hugs like we all no. just have our days yeah we all have our days and let me tell you last last friday was a big one for me i went to work and i'm all i'm talking about like thriving in the op and being super excited and i came off a of ur i worked four clinical days by friday i was just i was over it i could feel myself and it was really funny i was like oh my gosh i hate fluff and buff hygiene but i feel like i'm doing it today i gotta i gotta whip back into shape so i held myself accountable in that and you know burnout is real and we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves out of the ops so that we can be the best inside of it mm -hmm. totally channel your inner simone biles all right well what's number five <laughs> number five is how to find your dream practice so what is that? What does that look like? And it's all about the questions that you ask the dentist when you're interviewing. It really is. So anybody can tell you that their office looks one way, 
But what I like to ask is, can I see your numbers of what you're producing in Perio? Because you could think you have a great Perio program. And then when I'm looking, I see that you've got 4% of Perio in your whole population. Oftentimes, well, it's much less patients. than that. <laughs> right. Oh, suddenly you're the only practice that doesn't have Perio in, in it. You know, even though nearly 70% of the U.S. population has some sort of Perio, that statistic is including gingivitis. But, you know, that is a... You, you got to look at that. You have to see the proof in the pudding. And then asking for that working interview. Never take a job without a working interview, no matter what it is, because you're going to be able to see the culture of the practice as soon as you walk in. And again, no practice is going to be perfect, but you'll be able to see, is there something that's really a non-negotiable for me? And do a chart audit. Look through the look through it. You know, take a moment and ask the other hygienist. You know, how how is everything? The moment that patient opens and you can see the dentistry is something too. You know, is the dentistry the level that you want to stick around for? Absolutely. I always like to ask to see the past couple days schedule because you know they might say, mm. yeah, you get sixty minutes per patient, and then you look and it becomes this whole like, oh, and we squeezed in this person and this person and this person, and so, like you said, the proof is in the pudding to actually see it. And yeah, see I love really- that. And then you can also see on the schedule too, just, you know, how the dentist is booked. Are they booked back to back? Are you going to be waiting forever for a check? Because if you're going to be waiting forever for a check, you know that there's different things you can do for time management while you're waiting, you know? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, so let's review your top five. So the top five ways to thrive in the op are number one, time management. Number two, be accountable to your thoughts. Number three, communication. Number four, peer-to-peer relationships. And number five is how to find your dream practice, which is the key to it all. But remember, not all dreams are dreamy every day. So, okay, Amber, so people want to know more about how to thrive in the op and they want to check out this new program that you've built that I'm super psyched about. Let's tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your support of it. Um, first off, we we are based on the seasons because why not? Let's keep it simple. So four times a year, we have Thrive in the Op. We run right in conjunction with the season. So right now, we are starting fall season for Thrive. So we call it Thrive Fall 2021. And we are starting, on uh, the doors close September 15th, and we're starting right on September 22nd. So it's 38 lessons. All lessons are on demand. So you can go back to them. It's a lifetime access. So you can repeat them. You can go through them. It is constantly going to be updated with new content. So right now, those 38 lessons live there. But I'm sure by this time next year, there'll probably be like 60 lessons. Because as people are coming in and I'm seeing what they need more of, I'm going to make sure that you have that handout, that resource that you can have to download and to use and have and to hold forever. And then we also have a private Facebook community. So what this looks like is weekly coaching in that Facebook. So if there's something that wasn't reviewed or you're having struggling with something that happened during the week, that is where you're going to go for that. It's a very safe space. It's not like a traditional Facebook group where people kind of crap on each other and call it empowerment. It is really a place where I want you to be able to come to me and say, you know what, I've been practicing for 10 years and I keep finding this burnished calculus. I'm using everything possible and I can't remove it. What have you done? And then it becomes a let's learn together um, type situation. So this is, um, again, private 
uh, pretty much private coaching that is going to be included with it. And it's a 90 day program that you still have, you have lifetime access to, you're in the group forever. So as new students are coming in, you get to see them. And there's a lot of opportunities that come with it too, other than just the mentorship. If you want to do something outside of the op and maybe do part-time hygiene and trying to maybe writing, speaking, consulting, I'm here for you. So it's really dictated by each individual and what they need and me creating content for them. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And, and how can people find out more about that? Yeah, so people can find out more about it by just going to my website. So it's www.amberauger.com. And there's a Thrive in the Op tab waiting for you. Awesome. Well, I will be checking out Thrive in the Op for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us, talking to us about how to thrive. Yeah, thank you for having me. And Amanda, thank you so much for just being you. I think you are somebody who teaches the dental hygienist so much every day, honestly, how to thrive. You really do. Your practical information is phenomenal, but you're also so humble in all you've achieved in a short period of time. And You can't make me cry. Well, I really do mean that. You're 100% yourself and people are attracted to people who are genuine. And there's never, ever, I've witnessed it, a time where you are saying anything negative about anybody. You're all in encompassing. And it's like, what do you want to do? Cool. Yeah. You want to talk about water lines too? Cool. There's room for us. So you always operate, you're always operating in a more generous way. There's not scarcity that we're not competing with each other ever. And that, that we need more of that in hygiene is we're not competing with each other. We rise together. So thank you for emanating that. Oh my goodness. Thank you for saying all that. And there's always room at my table. I will put in a leaf or bring over another chair. So always come to my table. (laughs) Wonderful. Now, everyone, we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five, or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 